We're going to start a, like a mini-series. It's going to go for a few weeks uh, through September, and I want to talk about um, work. And so this is kind of the, the message before this little mini-series starts. And uh, did you know um, I did a little digging? Uh, well, by the way, how many of you, uh, how many of you are working currently you're in a job a job right now okay well that's most how many of you say i put all those things behind me you got a tire okay you got a few how many like haven't even started yet all right well done um something for everyone uh they they say we spend like ninety thousand ninety thousand hours of our life average person working all right, so we're going to talk about this. I mean, if you're going to spend so much time doing it, we might as well talk about it a little bit and talk about it in the context of our faith and see if they, if they matter. I think sometimes people compartmentalize their lives a little bit and they say, well, this is my work life and then this is my spiritual, we call it, my spiritual life and that's when I go to church and then I have my family life and we segment them. And I think we really do a lot better if we learn how our faith influences and impacts the rest of our life. How many get what I'm saying there? Or how many like to know I just do my church thing at church and then I act like the devil on Monday? Uh, so before I talk about work, um, I want to talk about something that I think is sort of behind work and something that all of us uh, feel or are impacted by, and that is the, the word desire. And I want to start with the scripture, and then I'm going to arrange my props here a little bit. Uh, Psalm 37. You've probably heard this verse before. We'll put it on the screen, and uh, we'll read it together. Let's read it together out loud. Ready? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many love that verse, right? Like, God's going to give me what I want. How many took that out of this verse? Like, God's going to give me what I want. Now, here's the thing. If you think about this verse, um, and I've heard this verse talked about in many different contexts and by a lot of different people, because that's a go-to verse, right? If you're a pastor and you're, like, selling it, you're like, hey, you need God because he's going to give you what you want. Now, truth be told, how many here had God's given you everything that you want? Two of you. I don't know if God gives you everything that you want all of the time, but what we can say is if we delight ourselves in God, he will give us the desire. See, the, the problem is we take the first half of the verse and we forget about what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord. Let's put it up there again one more time, and then I'll, I'll, I'll teach on it a little bit. Can you throw it back up there? Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the, what? Desires of your heart. So everybody, everyone has desires in your heart, everyone. You desire something. You desire a, a different job. You desire more pay in your job. You desire to switch places with your boss. Put your hand up. I, uh, I, want, I want my boss to be here and I want to be here. Uh, we desire a relationship. We desire children. We desire a secure future. We desire. Everybody desires. And these things come from our heart. Now, if I can for a minute 
Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to welcome everybody because this is important. Um, I get so much feedback from everybody watching online, so let me pause Orchard Grove. In fact, Orchard Grove family here, will you welcome everybody that's watching online? Thank you, guys. Um, I sometimes forget, but I, I, uh, I get notes and comments, and so welcome all of you. Florida, San Diego, San Francisco, East Coast, West Coast. I mean, we get stuff from all over, so we want to welcome you guys. Thanks for being a part um, of, our, of our talk today. It, look, there's what I call today casino Christianity, all right? I won't look around to see how many of you spend time in the casinos, but the, the idea is this. At the casino, you, you're, the casino is built on hope, right? It's the, it's the chance that you might get it. It's a chance that you might strike it rich. It's, now, uh, if you know anything about the city of Detroit, you've been around for a while. I mean, there's a, it was a really, really burnout in so many parts of Detroit for so long. And then they brought in the casino. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all this darkness and blight, there's these beautiful, bright, gorgeous buildings. How do they do that? Because they make tons of what? Money. Whose money? Your money, right? Your money. People go in there thinking, I'm going to take money out of there. You aren't going to take money out. How do you think they build the buildings? Casino Christianity is a similar thing. It, and casino Christianity, it's this hope that if I just do this, then God is going to give me what I want. Right? So... Uh, oh, boy, I hope Justin doesn't. I, I'm going to use this for the, the guitar is going to be what I want. All right. Now, this would be I, I don't really for, for me. It's not I don't want the guitar. What I want is I want to be able to smoke that guitar. Is anybody else like me, like a closet air guitar specialist? Anybody? I was on the freeway the other day and I was watching this girl. Uh. I mean, the whole, she didn't care. She was getting the whole thing going and the drums. All right. Anybody else like me? You play a mean air guitar. So the, what, I, what I want, so this is what I desire. What I desire is this. I want to be that person. And all of us have something that we, what? Desire is what I want. Casino Christianity is if I do X or Y or Z, then God's going to Give me what I want. He's going to give that to me. God's, I, and then he quote the verse, and we quote. And why it's so enticing, just like the other casinos, is because it just keeps you coming back long enough to go, well, you're close. You did this, but you said the prayer wrong. You did this, but you haven't joined the church. You did this, but you haven't memorized this scripture verse. You did this, but you need to get into a group. And we keep having these little teasers, just like the casino, where you're almost ready to what? Land it big. Now, to have casino Christianity, you have to have Santa Claus God. You have to. Who, his main thing is to, what's Santa Claus? I mean, when you think about it, you don't, well, Santa Claus doesn't really have a life himself. He just thinks about us, our behavior, and makes us things. And some of us have, this is important, have reduced our concept or idea of God to the big being up there who happens to also have a beard, and who gives us things when we behave well enough. 
So this is what I want so bad. Does anybody want something so bad? By the way, speaking of good, I got a guitar when I was a little, little guy. When I was a little kid, you know, I was fascinated with cowboys. Anybody? Guns and hat. Anybody? I had all that stuff, right? And so to me, a cowboy had to have a guitar. I don't know why, because like when you're done shooting people, you just sit at the campfire. And... <laughs> Did anybody? No? I mean, it was all part of my thing, you know? And so I, I was like, Dad, I got to have a guitar. I gotta have... And I remember the Christmas, I finally got the guitar, right? And this, so this is what I want. Now, by the way, how many of you remember wanting something as a kid that now is just so ridiculous, right? Like, or, or so outdated. How many of you have a wardrobe, a closet full of stuff that you thought was going to make you so slim or happy or wonderful or fabulous? Or, and it's down in the closet there. And I just, if I just get this, if I just, so it's this wanting, it's this desire. If I, if I can just have this, if I can just have this, then I'm going to be okay. And then um, the kicker is there's something in our way. This is the obstacle. This is the thing that's in my way. Now, what's in your way? If they're next to you, don't tell us, all right? But what's in your way? What did I do? If it's in your way, you feel like I need, well, all I need to do is get this out of the way. Get him out of the way. Get, if I can just get, and, and so this is the boss. This is the, the problem. This is the frustration. This is the thing that you have to clear. And once you clear this, you're going to, what? Get your desire, and then you're going to be so happy. How... How long does happiness last that's attached to the sacred thing? There's the kicker. How long does happiness last that's attached to the sacred thing once you got it? Because, by the way, this has happened to all of us over many times in our life. We've wanted something. We've seen the obstacle. We went to school. I want a degree. We worked. We studied. We did this, right? And then we got it, and we were happy. We, uh, you know, we wanted uh, to get a certain job, and we clawed and, and did this and did that, and then we went over and we got it, and then we went in there. We got our pencils all arranged in our new desk, and we got it, and then we went, ah, okay. I got a job. They say 85% of Americans are dissatisfied in their jobs. They say most of the stress that we experience in life is in some way connected to our jobs. So are we getting what we actually want. So what I want to talk about is desire. And is that what I really want? Is that giving me what I thought it would give me? It's interesting. Maybe the thing we want is not really what we want after all. 
I finally got rid of my truck. I got a car. I got a new car. Huh? Anybody love getting a new car? I oh, know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody love getting a new car? It's like I've, I've had two new cars in my life, so this is the second one, right? But when you get them new, they're just like, it's, like people come in, they're like, the new car smell. Isn't that great, right? And it's so fun, like driving. And, then, and how many you know, how long does it last? It just lasts like just so long. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but did you see that Jeep? Has <laughs> anyone lived where I live in my sad state? Of, oh, you don't lie to me out there. You, I'm driving a brand new car. And I'm like, oh, but look at that Jeep. Well, that should be. No, you guys don't have this disease? Think with me. Is, that, is it that? Is it that that makes us happy? Or, this is important, have we misdiagnosed, ready? Have we misdiagnosed what actually makes us happy? Ecclesiastes. Interesting, interesting scripture. This, this will be tied into things that you see today. I want to read the scripture in just a minute. But before I do, why do billionaires work? It's not for money. If you start to calculate how some of these guys, if they started spending money at a, at a ridiculous, stupid pace, they can't spend it all. You say, well, they're because they're stupid and they're evil. And they're, no, 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 don't be so pious. I heard all these ignorant comments before. You would do the same thing. And why, why do people who win the lottery often go through tormented and tortured lives? Say, Chris, you're crazy. I mean, if I win the lottery, you're going to be talking to one happy camper. And by the way, I can't tell you how many of you have said to me, Chris, I just play because I, if I hit it big, I'm going to pay for the church. I just want you to know I'm going to bet. <laughs> I'll hold my breath, all right? I'm on pins and needles. I know that's why you do it, right? No, why, why do they, they make whole documentaries on if people hit it big, why their lives fall apart? But I got the pot of gold. I, I, I got it. You see, it starts, as you think about it, it starts to all be connected, some of you are going to like this answer, and some of you are not going to like this answer, but I'm going to tell you the answer anyway. The happiness is not in getting the thing. It's just not. Ecclesiastes says this. Now, because you'd think, if, if, what, hold on, before I read it, let me just say this. What if you went to the casino and you won every single time you played you go, oh, I'd be there all the time. I mean, like you pull the lever and bam, bring, 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 bring the truck, honey, bring the truck. And you guys are hauling out coins and you got to hire people to haul your money away and you go back in and you won. Every, not, not every time you went to the casino, you won once. Every time you pulled the lever, you won. Quam, quam. You'd be like, oh, I'd be so happy. Would you? What if your football team always won, never lost. Like, oh, I'd be so happy. You don't have no idea how happy I'd be. How about this one? What if every time you went golfing, is my sacred desire, 
Every time you went golfing, every, on every hole, on every hole, you scored an eagle. So on a par three, every time, hole in one. It's possible. It's, it's physically possible. You just had the perfect swing. You just got to repeat the perfect swing. And on every par four, you teed off right down the middle. You're 150 yards out, and 150, that's your sweet spot. Hole in one, 150. Would you like golf anymore? Well, yes, I would. Yes, I would. Here's what I'm, I got to tell you. I don't think you would. I think there's something to be said, if I may, about the struggle. We've so made an idol of the thing that we've lost the beauty of the struggle. Ecclesiastes. There is a guy who could hit a hole in one on every drive. There is, a, by the way, you know these like really weird narcissistic, narcissistic dictators, like, uh, I, I don't need to name names, but you know, like certain parts of Korea or whatever. I mean, they, they put out press reports that this is true. They put out press, like hits a hole in one every time. And people go, but you so, there are people in, throughout history that have had the ability to sort of experiment this way. One of them, writer of Ecclesiastes, had enormous wealth, um, unbelievable power and wealth, dominate the globe. It's kind of the, the, the thing that we're all inadvertently trying to get to, right? Power and wealth and prestige. And this guy says, Ecclesiastes, I denied myself, ready? Nothing my eyes desired. Watch this. Everybody look here. Because of his wealth, because of his power, I don't have any obstacles. If I want it, I just take it. I denied myself nothing. I refused my heart no pleasure. Huh? If there was a pleasure that I thought of, it's something the way I wanted something to be, I took it. I bought it. I owned it. I brought it. It was brought to me. My heart, look at this. I took whatever I wanted at any time. And listen to this. The reward for my toil, he says this. I found it all to be meaningless. Verse 11. When I surveyed, right? It was all meaningless. Nothing gained. I was chasing the wind. I need to pause. I need to pause because you and I and everyone online, we are baked, well, unless you're in a different country, which we do have people in other countries, but I'll focus on America. We are baked. We are bred in money. And, and the funny thing is, as soon as I say that, you're going to think about all the areas that you want more money, which is so funny that we are so baked and bred in money that we don't even realize how ridiculously wealthy that we are. And you're like, Chris, you just insulted me because I'm struggling. Listen, listen, zoom out, just zoom out for a minute. 
if we had a clue. And so because we're caught up in this, I need to be here. We're in a chasing, a chasing, a chasing. And we have these words in our culture like stress. Somebody the other day said to me, I don't know how to get off of this wheel. Isn't it funny that we are here and yet all we do is chase and chase and chase? So you would think if the object gave us the happiness, America, just do a graph of any other nation in history or on the planet currently or historically, America would be one big emoji. (laughs) And what is America? One big emoji or stress and fighting and strain and is this what we're really after or is there something else do you remember do you remember the story when the apostle paul is converted acts chapter 9 you should read it but what, here, here's his conversion if you will he paul and and in his day that the sacred thing was God, and not only God, but it was doing God right. In other words, his Jewish religion and checking all the boxes, for him it was Judaism, today it could be Christianity for many of you that grew up that way, but it's, I'm going to do it all just right, I'm going to do it perfectly. And so what he pursued was the purity of doing what I'll call doing God right. Right. And if I surveyed all of you what what it means to be a good Christian, I would get 1000 different answers today. Isn't that how funny that is? You would tell me one thing. You would tell me something else. You would. But in his day, Paul was like, this is what God wants. This is what's going to make God happy. And he was pursuing that. And on his way, on his pursuit, part of it was I have to get other people in line that aren't in line. Many of you have those thoughts, too. I got to get other people in line. Have you ever been talked to by the person trying to get you in line? Has anyone ever been evangelized before? No, just me? It's really weird when a pastor gets evangelized. It's really awkward, and I don't know when to bring it up, you know. Uh, You know what I mean? And they misquote verses, and I'm like, yeah, that was close. That was was good. Uh, You know. Paul was going to get everybody in line. This is important. And on his way to get everybody in line, he encounters Christ. Christ is blocking the road, stopping him from doing the thing. He found God in the obstacle, not in the object. Listen to me. Many of you are going to find God in the obstacle, not in the object. Listen to it and write it down. You're going to find God in the obstacle, not in the object. You're going to find him there. You're going to find joy here, not there. That's why a lot of people struggle in retirement, because there is no struggle left. We were built in some way for the obstacle that we always need to be working and overcoming and involved. And when we disconnect, that's why a lot of really wise billionaires say, I'm not going to let my kids have all of my money. 
because they have learned when you just hand somebody a bunch of money, it actually has destroyed that they need to struggle. I know you didn't want to hear this. You wanted casino Christianity and Santa Claus God. Chris, just tell me the prayer. I'll come take communion. I'll do the whole thing. And I just want a job and money waiting when I get out in the atrium. And I got to tell you, it's the struggle. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote this, this beautiful words. Philippians, he says, I've learned uh, the secret. He goes, I know what it is to be in need. All right? Anybody? Let's just pause there. Don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. I know you're reading it. Look over here. Come on, don't read ahead. Don't read the Bible. Look here. All right. I know. Take it down, then they won't read it. There we go. Okay. I know what it is to be in need. How many know that? How many know what it is to be like, you know, out of college or in college? How many remember being hungry all the time in college? I remember college, this is what I remember about being in college, hunger. That's all I remember. I was always hungry. I know what it is to be in need. And he goes, I, I know what it is to have plenty. Some of you could say, I know that. I've, I've had plenty. Um, you might be a little skewed and think you've never been there. I would have to just challenge you on that, most of you. I don't know everybody's story. But he goes, I've learned the secret of being content or happy, kind of an either end of the spectrum. Well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. There's a secret to being happy. Ready? Whether you're holding this or not. There's a secret to being happy. Maybe the secret is found in the struggle. Maybe we've spent our whole life trying to remove the things, and these are the things that actually make us happy. Say, Chris, my job does not make me happy. I'm going to talk, I'm going to get to you. But some think that it's about removing all the struggles. If I just remove it, then I'll be happy. Here's what I like to say. I got a couple minutes, and then we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. First, don't worship the sacred object. Whatever it is, if it's the relationship, if it's the job, if it's the money, if it's the raise, if it's the kids, if it's the car, if it's the, the record mile, what, you know, your thing. Don't worship the sacred object. It's the happiness is not found here. I, I never understood Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Those of you that have deep understandings of those kind of things, I would love to meet you. I have no idea what that movie's about. But I know there's a little part in there where they want this ring. And they go, my precious, my precious. And all these real artsy people around me always tell me, oh, this is the most deep movie. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. But I get this. 
there's this ring. And if you can have the ring, that's everything. It's everything to have the ring. And somehow they had to not desire the ring. And the ring was like killing everybody. I don't know. I don't know what the movie's about. But here's what I know. Some of us were like, my precious, right? My whole life is to get this thing. Look, look. You have to kill the sacred object. You have to. Today. Today. Kill it. I'm not going to worship that. Like, I got to get there, and then I will one day. You have to end it. You have to end the idea that you're going to have a fantasy life. Isn't that hard? I know there's another church. I can point you to a bunch of churches around here. They will tell you the opposite. They will tell you the opposite. I'll give you the address. And you'll feel it. You're like, yes. You'll walk out and go, I know, I'm going to have the fantasy. I'm with Ken and Barbie, and I'm going to get my, my hair done. And I mean, it's going to be, the kids are all going to get in line. They're going to quote you verses, and then all of a sudden your kids are all just going to go, yes, mommy. All right? I, I love you. Well, in fact, I love you too much to let you believe that. Do you love me back? Look, 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 hold, hold, hold on. Two of you. Look, look. That's that. You have to kill that picture. By the way, what's everybody putting on Instagram? That. Because that sells. That gets you likes. Look at them. Didn't they love each other? Aren't the kids wonderful? I get so many postcards of families with their kids like, and I said, I have never seen your kid smile in my entire life. Kids are a little demon. Why would you put that out there, right? This is what sells. So you have to kill that picture. Why? Because it's destroying you. You're tying your satisfaction to that picture. Listen to me. You're tying your satisfaction to that picture. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Tell the truth. You know the backstory behind all those pictures that you put out. You know how nuts and chaotic and ridiculous it was and how many pictures you had to take to get people to think that that was what really was happening. Second, embrace where you are. Embrace it. Love on it. Here's where I am. I'm here. And I'm okay. I tell you the worst, the most humiliating thing, uh, after I went through a really bad time in my life and a divorce and everything, I'd be on the golf course and all these guys would go around and they'd introduce themselves and they'd say, oh, I'm so-and-so. Oh, yeah, they, they, then they start talking about their kids and then they go to you. I remember just feeling humiliated. I'd stand up there and I, I didn't want them to talk about me. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I didn't matter as much as everybody else that was golfing. Mid-40s, divorce, no kids. Doesn't sell. Doesn't sell. Does it? I had to make a choice, and you have to make a choice. Am I going to make some sacred picture? My God. Most of you go, oh, Chris, you're fine, you're fine. You know, when you open up, I know you can feel it. You're like, you're fine, you're okay, you're propping me up, right? Because we all get these pictures, and you do the same thing. If I, I, if I had this, if I was here, you have to kill the sacred picture. 
You have to embrace where you, where are you? You're okay. Don't beat yourself up for where you are. Stop telling yourself, you gotta have this. You gotta be here. This is what your business partner has. This is what your coworker did. Who cares? Everybody with me? Third, ready? Smile in your struggle. Everybody look up here and smile. Do it. Do it. Online, smile. Everybody smile. Come on. Smile. Stop saying, I'm going to smile when I get there. Smile right here. Huh? Get an umbrella in your drink. I mean, <laughs> smile in your struggle. Why? You're going to go your whole life and say, I'm, I'm getting ready to smile. I mean, some of you are going to be like 96 years old. I'm getting ready. I'm going to smile in a minute here. I'm getting ready to. In other words, I'm going to get, I'm going to be happy in a minute. You're 97. Smile today. Smile today. Smile in your struggle today. Choose to be happy. This isn't some psychological, you know, talking yourself into it. This is a decision you make. Listen to me. And the decision that you make is like, I'm killing that thing. I'm going to embrace the struggle. It doesn't mean you don't work. There's something to work for. There's always something to work for. But you're going to smile in the struggle. You know why? You know why some people blow it up when they get here? Some people have all this and they blow it all up. Huh? Call them midlife crises. We have these names for them. People buy all kinds of things that they don't need. They rack up credit card debts or they spend ridiculous amounts of money, or they go off and do destructive things to their family, and they have it all. Why? They, they, they never have this. I know, I know people that are addicted to shopping, and they have the resources to do it, but they're bored. They have no struggle. Where did Paul find God, actually? Not in his religion, in the struggle. In the, in the obstacle. I hate obstacles sometimes. They're hard to smile. What's the biggest obstacle? Traffic. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. Huh? I'll tell you, you've arrived. You have, you have, reached, you have reached the pinnacle of spirituality when you can smile in a traffic jam. This is the best. I got time to think. I got some alone time. Well, let's make a pledge together to stop worshiping some sacred object or thing or place or destination and say, you know what? Every single day, God's going to give me grace in my struggle. You know what Jesus said? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Why daily? Give us this day our pot of gold. That's Santa Claus. He said, I'll give you enough for today. I'll give you enough for today. I'll keep you engaged. Huh? I'll keep you connected. I'll keep you involved. And he goes, don't worry about tomorrow. Stress and fear and doubt, they're always about tomorrow. Jesus was about today. 
staying engaged, staying in the struggle. Smile in your struggle. All right, we always say everyone can take communion today, but you have to smile. That's the only thing. Everybody smile.